This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Summer heat, it's here. We're sweaty, we're moody from the heat, and still thriving and living in this pandemic-based society. Mental health is in our is on our mind, and we consistently hold mental health as a top priority and a hot topic here on the Conscious Kitchen podcast. We've had two powerful conversations with clinical social worker Alyssa Marie Wellness on episode 10 and episode 22. Also, please check that out. And hey, did you check the latest episode with artist Lizzie Jeff? She's a plant medicine woman who is leading the way in sensual healing through her community. That episode is Awesome 35, so please go check that out. Today, we'll continue to dive deep into mental health with the lovely Tasha Bailey, who also goes by Real Talk Therapist on IG. She advocates for intersectionality as a Black woman living in the UK. She radiates self-love, self-care, and self-compassion. Her life's purpose is to make mental health and wellness talk feel relevant and inclusive. She invites her clients to laugh and to swear when it feels right. Tasha's experience with anxiety, depression, trauma, stress, loss, and loss of an identity. She works with class, race, and racial oppression across various communities, as well as the LGBTQ community. What we love about her most is her warm and inviting nature on social media. She feels like a closest friend. She flexes ways to express self-care and respect to yourself regularly. Plus, she has a smashing taste in music. And we totally affirm and believe fully in her self-love club. Please welcome Tasha Bailey in the house. Hey. hey. Welcome, Thank Tasha. Thank you for that intro. Yeah. That's such a nice intro. Lovely. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Got to make all of our guests feel super special because your time is very valuable. So thank you so much. Yes. What's up, babe? No Thank I you see, for having me. I see the, the cute green background back there with your green dress vibrating like all this lush summer vibes. What's up? How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. I've been off today, so it's been a, and it's been a really lovely day in London. So it's been really nice and warm. Had some nice brunch, went shopping, and like have just chilled since then. So it's been a really, really lovely day. Um, I'm so excited to kind of speak to you both. It feels like a really nice vibe already. So. Yeah, we're we're yeah. super excited to chat with you. We're doing Madrid. We're doing London. We're doing Los Angeles. So we are all over the place today. <laughs> yeah. So cool, Tasha. So let's get into it. Um, you are amazing. So and like, so tell me what it's like, you know, being a black therapist in the UK and your process of destigmatizing therapy um, as a myth through your work. Mm. Uh, it's interesting. Um, there are kind of very few um, black female therapists in the UK. I think globally, but particularly in the UK. And there's also very few that are like my age. So I'm a millennial and most therapists are in the UK kind of age 40s upwards. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting because I'm, I'm coming with a slightly different experience in a different part of life and, and perspective on life. Um, 
And in terms of destigmatizing, it's a really exciting time because I feel like millennials are at the moment, um, people in their 20s and 30s are really keen to kind of learn more about themselves and learn more about their feelings and their mental health in a way that previous generations didn't necessarily have that same kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's quite exciting for me to be part of this kind of generation. Yeah. As well. So exciting. Yeah, I think you're so you hit that right on the mark. I think the millennial generation is so invested in their mental health. And I think they also just have the ability to do that because a lot of our parents have immigrated from different parts of the world and they worked so hard to get to this point to give us a life that we were able to really be introspective and just have that type of value on on our mental health. Yeah, and I think our parents didn't necessarily have the language to be able to talk about mental health and well-being and what they needed. And, and like, particularly thinking about my family and my history. So my my family are Jamaican. Um, they came to the UK in the Windrush generation. So that's in the 1950s, 1960s, um, where it was a really difficult time to come to England. Um, and so that survival was the most important priority, that is, you know, having somewhere to live, having food to eat, having some money, mental health does not fit in those three priorities um so I'm really lucky to kind of you know have benefited from their you know from their their hard work to now be able to kind of be in this world where I can like actually fill the gap of like there's a lot of conversations which we didn't get to have in our communities that we can now have you know for the next generation mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's a great that's a great perspective do you work with your with your own family to also just destigmatize mental health and how does how does how does that play a role in like your own personal life but within your community as well? Mm. In my own family, it's a, it's a little bit different because obviously, yes, I'm a therapist, but I'm all, I've always been Tasha, yeah, um, yeah. and that's that's all they that's that's how they see me. You know, they don't see me as Tasha the therapist or talk therapist. Um, but I have noticed that like, since training that there are like, little conversations or little moments that would have happened before, um, you know, for some, so for example, someone um, naming their experience of anxiety when they were 20 years old, 50 years ago, um, which I would never have heard that before. So it has opened up slight, slight, slight doors. There's probably still a lot of work to do still, mm-hmm. but it's definitely opened up doors and an openness to speak about things. Um, I also have, you know, people in my family that have had quite severe mental health. And that's probably partly why I'm so interested in, in psychotherapy and mental health. So it's been really interesting in, in helping others understand what it's like for that person, what it could be like for that person. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then in my and then in my wider community, um, yeah, it's been working a lot with um I would say like Partly black British women, but actually a lot of a lot of other you know black and brown women and people in the UK um, who similarly had similarly had a background like mine where mental health wasn't spoken about, and they know that there's a need within themselves to you know work through that conversation, and so they come to me and then we work through it and we normalise it and we destigmatise it and we look at what boundaries looks like when you have parents that don't understand what boundaries are and things like that, you know, it's kind of really looking at those challenges in a real cultural way. Um, you know, yes, there's a Western culture, but we also have the cultures that we've inherited as well. Um, so how do we navigate those those kind of mixtures of cultures and, and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's been beautiful to see on the internet and on social media that 
finding just more tips and information on finding the right type of therapist, right? Because back in the day, it was difficult to find someone that maybe looked and felt like they might really truly understand where you're coming from. But now it's people like you are doing such an amazing service that it's, you know, you can really connect with your clients and really help them in ways that maybe other therapists won't understand and can't really connect with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I feel like my lived experience is very valuable. I think everybody's lived experience is valuable, but I think particularly the the people that tend to kind of come to me and and find me, um, you know, there's a reason why there's something about me that resonates with them and what they've experienced. So why not use that? You know, why not, you know, me being a bit bit more, bit honest and, and, you know, we'll talk of what it can be like and the the barriers and the obstacles and, yeah, just bringing that into the sessions where it feels appropriate. Mm -hmm. So I would love to ask you about your uh, self-love club. (laughs) So you talk about, you you advocate heavily for the self-love club. I think it's pretty badass. Um, And your post describes like, one of the posts that you post on your IG, you talk about go where you feel valued um, or, you know, work where you are celebrated. And I feel like it's really amazing to hear because a lot of people are like leaving their jobs or like do- having a lot of transitionary like moments happen after post COVID and everything like that. I mean, for like humans, you know, it's hard for us because I feel like we're very comfortable, right? In our, our own our own ways, like we're comfortable within our own social circles as well. Um, how do we how do we go towards more of a place where we are celebrated, um, a place where we could go on to like I guess like a, a small like a new path, you know, like how how can you give us like a, a few I guess say tips in paper, possibly in our personal relationships and like maybe working relationships? Yeah, I think it could be really important to do a bit of an itinerary or a bit of a review of where you are. Um, so for me, I tend to do this at the I tend to do this at the, the end of the year, um, where I look at kind of where I am, um, where I'm working. Um, do, do I still feel like passionate about where I am? Do I still feel like that joy, that excitement of like, yes, I'm going to like you know kind of that that moment? And also like noticing the things that drain you is so important. Um, you know, if you notice that every Wednesday you're drained and it's only halfway through the week there's a reason for that you know something needs to be looked at um so really noticing like what your body is telling you what your feelings are telling you those things are happening for a reason um and then for me like especially with like work I think sometimes um I did a, I did a, a post I think a little while ago which is about work and how sometimes our work our relationship with our relationship with work can be like another parent so sometimes we work in a place where we're always trying to impress them we are trying to like literally break our backs to be the favorite child or the favorite employee and love um, work won't love you back in that same way Mm-hmm. so I think it's about really looking at things like that like what is my relationship with work what is my ethics about work um same thing with friendship what's my ethics around friendship and I like to think of them as a partnership so whether you talk about work or whether you talk about friendship it's a partnership so you both need to I guess you both have needs that need to be fulfilled in some shape or form so in your job, yes, you're an employee, but you also need to have a job that pays you the money that you need to be paid and is a sociable and you know warm environment so that your mental health is being taken care of. 
and with friendships as well. Like, you know, yes, you will be supporting your friends, but also you need to have that support back as well when it's time. So I like to see it as a bit of a partnership and sometimes kind of looking at if there was a contract, what would that look like? What is lacking at the moment? What is not working at the moment? And how do we review that together? Yeah, that's I love that perspective to think of almost like your job or your or your friendships as they're almost like another parent. I had never really thought of it like that. I totally I've totally felt like that in my and like <laughs> in my in my past or just in my jobs. How do you let's see. So if you feel that way, if you're like a person that you feel that way and then you find you go to another job and then maybe you feel that way again and then maybe you find another job and you feel that way again. Then do you start questioning, is that me or is it the job? Right. Is that would be the natural best question? Mm, yeah, if it, it, I guess if it's following you, then let's maybe something about where you are and what you're bringing. Um, you know, it might be that you're every time you come into a new job, you're always over committing to everything. You're saying yes to everything, and so you get burnt out at every job that you go to. Mm-hmm. So actually it's noticing that and saying, hey, I'm saying yes to everything. Yes, I'm an employee, but I can't do everything. I'm one person. There's a whole other team. Um, how do I actually manage expectations from my company or where I work and for myself? Yeah. How do I do that so that I don't burn out? Yeah, again and again and again. Yeah, I mean, the culture now is just so go, 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 be successful all the time, say yes to everything. So it's really just it, last year was such a good year to stop people in their tracks and make them really think about that. So I hope that that kind of continues and that work culture also just changes and that type of stuff because it's like it's also a systematic problem. That's like people are always like, go, go, go. And I think, like, I know that with COVID last year, it means that a lot of people have gone into maybe their own businesses or their own projects. And so it's such a great opportunity to, like, set a pace that's right for you rather than set a pace that's kind of dictated to you at a workplace. But a lot of us have that wake up and grind mentality. So even when we go into our own projects, we're like, no, I have to say yes to every opportunity. I have to do this and this and this and this. And then we burn out and actually it's not good for you. Like, babe, it's not good for you. Like, slow it down. Like Mm -hmm. opportunities will always be there. They will come. Um, But you need to look after you um, and set the pace that's right for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. Great advice. It's kind of, I feel like it's hard, you know, sometimes because, I don't know. It's like being conditioned for so long as a millennial and then also having that like comparison through social media. It's like, you know, have like, you know, kind of learning how to decondition myself to like understand that my pace is the right time at my own time. But, you know, it's it's an ongoing battle. So it's really good, as you mentioned, to reassess at the end of the year or maybe every six months, you know, every three months, sit down on, with a piece of paper and just like Knock it out. So I love that. Thank you, Tasha. Mm-hmm. It's great tips. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to even be like too, um, what's the word, like too clinical. Like it could be just like you go for a walk and you're just thinking about it, you're reflecting on it. And I like the idea of like every few months, like a quarterly review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or it might be every month, you know, it's, it's totally up to what the person feels is right for them. But just checking in with yourself, like having a conversation you have reviews at work, so why not have reviews with yourself, right? Yeah. So true. Love that introspection, self-introspection. Yeah. Love that on your website, you mentioned 
you wear what makes you feel comfortable and it feels like you, which helps your clients feel like they can do the same. It's a, it's a it's gestures like that that some consider small that really help break down like stigmas and just make, make people feel more comfortable. As a therapist, has there been a time where you had someone more like old school try to put you in a box, like your wardrobe, the way you practice? If so, can you tell us about that? Mm. So I... Uh... I haven't had anyone specifically, you know, say, hey, that's wrong or you shouldn't do that. I've had the air of it, you know, the air of like, I know this person isn't approved or this person is completely in a different perspective from where I am. And it usually is someone that's quite old school, um, perhaps like psychoanalytically trained and has been working for like 30, 40 years and mm-hmm. so sees it in a certain way. And also it depends on the environment as well. So. I've done a lot of work in schools. I work with children as well. So I've done a lot of work in schools. And in those env- some of those environments, you can't, you know, dress the way that you want to dress. Or um, you have people that are expecting things from you. Or, you know, so it's, it's, it's also about the environment um, and their expectations. I think particularly if, yes, maybe old school therapists, but also like if somebody is like in a school, if you're the only therapist, nobody really understands fully what you do or how you do it. So, you know, it'd be often that, you know, I'd be working with a child and they'll be like, well, this child's still being naughty. And you're like, well, this child has a lot of stuff to work through. And sometimes when you're working through stuff with a therapist, you become more naughty or more dysregulated or more uneasy because it feels difficult to be with those feelings but it has to happen for them to heal it's actually part of their healing process so there can be a lot of like when you're working with people who are not therapists but have to be part of that journey Mm -hmm. there can be a lot of um I guess difficulty and helping them to understand how you know how it works essentially or, or what is needed um for it to be a great partnership yeah. So when you're with your client, it is really a partnership. So you guys are working together to really break break things down and just get everyone where they want to be. Yeah. And and like, you know, the, the thing of the clothes, for example, I I think I dress in a particular way. I'm, I'm kind of quite, I like a lot of like old school vintage stuff. I love to wear trainers. I love to wear, like, I just have my own particular style. And if I didn't dress that way, I would be, I just wouldn't be, I personally wouldn't be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And my client would see that. And so how can I say to them, you need to be authentically yourself. You need to, you know, fulfill, you know, fulfill all parts of yourself, accept all parts of yourself. If I'm coming in in a suit, which I will be incredibly uncomfortable in, um, both physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like I'm modeling something that, you know, needs to happen um, for the client. Yeah. And so you you were saying before how how sometimes when you have kids as your clients like they're the parents say like oh they're still being naughty it's so to to bring it into perspective of someone that maybe doesn't understand the benefits fully of talk therapy and they start seeing you and they don't see this magic happen that they're not like oh I'm better in like a week you know because sometimes people expect people nowadays expect like instant gratification how do you how do you encourage them to come to see you or to just continue down the path and and reinforce that things aren't going to just happen overnight yeah this is <laughs> this is a hard one to answer because I can imagine yeah, I know that a lot of people do get frustrated in it I've yeah. been frustrated in it in my own like path before and I kind of imagine it as 
Um, maybe like there's this, your life is a room and in the corner of the room, there's this like mess. There's this pile of clothes. There's like takeaway boxes from ages ago. And you've just been, you've just been not looking at it all this time because it's just too overwhelming to look there. And so our work together is like, okay, like, let's slowly, let's just slowly look at it. Let's peek at it. Okay. It's over there. I can see it. You can see it. Like when we're, no, we're noticing it, we can't avoid it. We can't ignore it. Cause if we do, it's not good for you. Like there's going to be, you know, <laughs> if there's takeaway boxes there, it's going to start to smell. It's not going to be good. Like let's like, at least acknowledge it. And slowly, slowly I'm helping that client build their confidence so that we can, you know, look, tackle that corner bit by bit maybe we'll pick up a sock maybe we'll look at one takeaway box and maybe decide what to do with it you know it's this slow this slow um pace of it but it's not comfortable nobody wants to tidy a messy corner of the room right it's no it's not comfortable it's icky it's weird it's uncomfortable it's awkward um and so it's and and we can like along the way that's where kind of humor comes in because I think that humor is part of playfulness and we can tackle it in a playful way but it's still going to be uncomfortable but if you keep avoiding it if you run away from tackling it it's going to get worse um so that's kind of how I'll explain it like yes it's really difficult yes it's really hard but you have all the tools and I'm alongside you for us to tackle it together you're not on your own um so sometimes it might be that if it's really overwhelming, we'll take a step back. We'll maybe do something different. We might do something more comforting until they can feel that confidence again to go back to that corner. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really about, you know, just being honest with yourself, knowing that that's what I need. But I do need to get the pace that I need to go to as well. Oh, I love that answer. You're so sweet. And like, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, it's it's so easy to connect with you for your clients. <laughs> Thank you. I, I love a lot of metaphors. So you'll say, say you'll notice that I'll be swimming with metaphors when I'm talking. So, yeah. Super cool. Um, yeah, I love that too. I'm like, you know, it's, it, you know, trying to encourage someone to do therapy is very, is very hard. I feel like I have, I have, I have a lot of personal relationships, like such as like family members. And I'm like, you know, try it out, try therapy out. It's such, it's, you're going to learn so so many great tools and aspects for your life. But I like that what you said. So I'm going to have them hopefully listen to this podcast episode. Um, (laughs) Tasha, so I want to talk to you about labels. Mm -hmm. So, you know, labels are touchy and um, it could hit hard with us if especially like creating a boundary with someone like with labels, like we all don't want to be labeled. Um, How can we control the narrative about labels for ourselves when we hear about labels, you know? And and how do, yeah, basically how do we control that narrative? And also, like, if we have, like, for example, like, I just moved to Spain, like, a few years ago, and it's like, do you, do you kind of create those boundaries beforehand with, like, forming new personal relationships? Or how, what do you think about that? Mm, okay. So let's go to the labels first. Um, when I think of labels, there's this picture on, I don't, it's probably from a film, I think it's from a film called Office Space, actually. And there's this picture of this guy who's working at his office, but he's covered in post-it notes or sticky uh-huh. notes, whatever you call them. He's literally covered it. So you can't see his face. You can't see his hands. It's literally covered. 
And that's what I think of when I think of labels. There's things that people stick onto us that maybe don't belong to us, but that's all that they see. They can't see the real us underneath it. So when I think about labels, I think about actually which of those sticky notes actually belong to me, which ones do I actually want to keep. So one exercise that I've done before with clients is um, maybe just writing a list of all the things that people put onto you or the labels, you know, maybe they say that you're an amazing daughter or that they say you're a bit of a geek or that maybe they scapegoat you as well, you know, writing all of them down and picking out the ones that you actually want to keep and almost like saying goodbye or letting go of the ones that aren't for you, the ones that are not your story. I think a lot of the time people put labels on us because it's their way of putting us in a box so that they feel comfortable, you know, so that they can almost like estimate or try to estimate how we feel or think, trying to limit us as well. Um, so it's really, really important to almost like take off and, or get rid of the ones that doesn't don't belong with us. Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're all guilty of doing that. So not just people doing that to us, but us putting labels onto people as well. Yeah. So that's that's great. Absolutely. And I think then when you've done that list and you see the ones that you're like, oh, I'm going to keep. Yes, I am a geek. Yes, I love vintage stuff. That is totally me. But I'm not X, Y and Z. So next time someone then says to me, oh, you're so X, I'm like, oh, no, that's actually not me. <laughs> no, you got me wrong. That's not for me. That's That might be your stuff, actually. Yeah. So there's more of an awareness for yourself of like, no, that's that's yours. You can refund that. <laughs> I don't need that. Um, and I think like with friends, like making new friends, is it about making new friends and like setting boundaries then? I think... Yeah, I think it doesn't have to be in a, in a formal way, but it can be in a way of like, whilst you're getting to know them um, and they're getting to know you, just kind of naming kind of really casually your, your expectations uh, or what you need in a friend or how you are as a friend as well. I think it can be a bit like dating. You know, you'll kind of say the things that I mean, I'm currently watching Love Island at the moment, which is really terrible TV, but let's not even go in there but you know when you're dating somebody you're kind of like these are the things that I like these are things that I don't like these are my turns off turn ons these are my turn offs and you can kind of do that as well in friendships as well and just in kind of natural conversation as you're getting to know each other yeah that's really good thanks babe and Mm -hmm. and I think being who you want to be you know even if like so I feel like when you move somewhere and you're starting a new friendship or a new relationship you really have such an opportunity to reinvent yourself and if you want to let go of different past ways that you've been then you can do that so kind of leading with who the the person that you want to be and just kind of reminding yourself so at that way you are perceived and you are that way absolutely yeah 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 I love that this episode is brought to you by better help hey guys sorry to interrupt Liz here. Let's talk mental health really quick. Who do you talk to to help you navigate life's crazy unexpected turns? I had always been an advocate for therapy, but in my 30 years of living, I had never sat down with a therapist myself. That's until a friend recommended BetterHelp. I was curious how a virtual session would work. I've never been a big fan of talking about myself, but my therapist made me feel so comfortable that it was easy to open up my thoughts for discussion and dissection. Therapy has already given me the inspiration to create better plans for myself and my self-care. And I'm thankful for the goal setting and accountability my therapist is helping me have. If you've been curious like me, why not try a virtual session? It doesn't require any driving, any makeup, just a commitment to yourself. 
And we have a special offer for our listeners to get 10% off the first month of BetterHelp. We'll include a link in the description of this episode. And with our exclusive link, you'll get 10% deducted off the package you choose. Take advantage of this great deal and visit betterhelp.com slash conscious kitchen podcast. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash conscious kitchen podcast join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional now back to the episode and then I also loved what you said I mean you are totally speaking my language you're painting so many pictures <laughs> with the sticky notes I'm like oh my god I never thought of it that way so true I love that and I just want to like I guess let people know that like you said you could tell people no, actually, I'm not that way. And it's not going to and it's not rude, right? Because I feel like some people might be like, well, is that being rude to someone? You know, it's it's OK. No, you can say that. And do you have other ways that you might be able to say that? But still, I don't know, for people that might not want to be thought as like rude or just feel like too aggressive. Yeah, I think you can kind of play around with it and find the, the way that fits best for you. Mm-hmm. So, for example, for me, it might be something like, you know, if they said, I'm trying to think of something, if they said, oh, you're Tasha, you're really mean. And I'll be like, oh, well, actually, I don't think that's something that's, I don't think that's, or, or even, I can even challenge it and say, oh, what, what is it that makes you think that I'm mean? Yes. What did I, what, what did I do for you to think that I'm mean? Because I don't think I was mean in that moment. But let me know, like, I'd love to hear it, but let's be curious about it. So at least open up the conversation. And then potentially they can then be like, oh, actually, no, that's my, that's me being a bit blunt or, yeah, you know, they, they can then have that kind of reflection for themselves. Um, so kind of that, you could do that, that thing, or you could do kind of like, um, oh, no, I don't think that's me. I don't know. I personally would be like, oh, no, I don't think that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's okay. I think we should be able to talk to our friends, honestly, and, and everyone, every relationship we have, we should be able to communicate what we feel without it being without someone feeling defensive or without someone feeling like, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a stab at them or in any particular way. And then I guess if it doesn't go that way, then maybe that's a question on that relationship. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, if they're putting these sticky labels onto you and, you know, they're, they're being quite forceful and, and not allowing you to kind of change it back then probably they're not, they're not the person for you you know they're trying to make you someone that you're not um so that it fits into their story or their narrative for whatever reason um and that's not a person that's for you got it tasha so tell us can you tell us about real talk you, you know you go by real talk therapist um, as you mentioned earlier about you know your who you are and you're like your 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 therapy type of type of therapy and the way you talk to your clients and things like that but like you know being vulnerable and also like asking others like you know to be vulnerable with you right like asking people to like let 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 me in you know or we encourage like sounding off as I feel like sometimes if we ask to like hey can you let me in can you be more vulnerable it, sometimes it could sound pushy you know and I feel like I'm trying to be less pushy as I get like into my mid-30s you know, and kind of just like be more of a great listener, things like that. But, or I don't want to sound intrusive, you know, with like my personal relationships, like, or family members, that's something I, I definitely struggle with. So it's like, I don't know, how are some ways that we could like be more curious about real talk? Mm. Yeah, because for, for me, real talk is about like, not just the, 
let's talk about the vulnerable stuff, but let's talk about this, how hard it is to get to the vulnerable stuff as well, like that in-between space. So I imagine like mm-hmm. there's A and there's B. A is like a person that doesn't want to talk about the vulnerable stuff. And then B is where that person does talk about their vulnerable stuff. And then there's a space in the middle, which how do we even get there, right? So I think it's something about like, if somebody, and I imagine this might be a friend or a partner or a family member, if they're really um, protective about their vulnerability stuff, then just saying, you know, I wonder, like, what is that like? You know, what is that experience like of being protected? Or, you know, what scares you about sharing it with me? Like, talk about those bits, almost the preliminary, that's the word, the preliminary work before we even get to the big stuff. Um, So really just kind of allowing... I guess allowing yourself to understand where they're coming from and also allowing them to see that you're a safe person to talk to. You know, you're listening, you're understanding, you're being really gently curious. Um, curiosity is a really uh, a really interesting thing because in terms of the brain, um, you can curiosity is a sign of safety, of psychological safety. So when you can be curious or exploring with somebody. You're sharing to sharing to them, I'm a safe person, we can do this safely without any judgment. Whereas when someone's defended, that means that they feel completely unsafe. Um, so yeah, just really sharing, you know, asking the, those gen- kind of gentle questions and just saying, like, hey, it's cool, I get it. Like, I understand it must be really difficult and I'm here when you're ready. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely use that next time. <laughs> So tell us, Tasha. I I, I wanted to, I wanted to know what are some of your favorite mental health books, authors, or speakers, or just things that you're really into right now. Mm. So I wrote a little list actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So who do I start with? So I love there's so many people that I love. Okay, so I'm gonna go with Oprah. Um, Oprah, obviously that series that came out I think last month or the month before. I can't remember what it was called actually. Oprah it was the one. Okay, yeah, she was at her house. <laughs> yeah, that was that was awesome in terms of thinking about mental health. I think it's like something something I see, I don't know, I can't remember, but it was really awesome in terms of thinking about mental health and the different like aspects of mental health, whether it's about kind of the trauma side or about having anxiety or OCD or, you know, just different ways of looking after yourself. I really, really love that. And she has a book, with um, Bruce Perry, who is a um, world-renowned trauma therapist and researcher. And it's called What Happened to You? And it's a great book in thinking about, um, you know, when you've gone through something really difficult, what your brain and your body goes through, what you go through, and how to heal that. Um, So I really, really recommend that. And there's a podcast episode with Brene Brown, which I really recommend for everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Brené Brown is top of my list as well. She's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then um, two other books that come to mind is no three other books. So sorry, three books that come to mind is one's called The Artist's Way. Um, one is called The Art of Body Acceptance, um, and both of them are about using creativity to look at yourself. And then the third one is called My Grandmother's Hands, which is more about thinking about racial trauma and how to heal it through the body. Awesome. Definitely going to check out those for sure. (laughs) (laughs) 
I wanted to ask you, like, I've been, like, having, like, some anxiety, like, last week based around, and I usually do journaling. Journaling, journaling's been really helpful for me or, you know, meditating and things like that. And sometimes I kind of want to avoid both. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, avoid meditating, avoid journaling, avoid processing it and things like that. And, um... I don't know. I feel like I really, I rarely get anxiety, but just been having anxiety for like the past week, and it kind of stays for three to four days, things like that. So, um, I'm wondering how can how can I navigate that through, you know, summer and and dealing with you know everything, all the news. I mean, I guess you know with everything going on right now, especially with the news and mm-hmm. and things opening up and then things closing back out and. I know it's just like this collective anxiety of the unknown, you know. Mm-hmm. So, any tips for me? Yeah. Sasha? yeah. So there are other people <laughs> feeling the, the same way, I'm sure, because you're so right. It's like that there there's so many countries that are going through so much political turmoil. There's just like the COVID keeps coming back and then it goes away and then it comes back. So it's like I'm sure everyone's feeling that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that thing of like the collective unknown. Like there is so many things that are unknown and. It- with anxiety it's a it's a lot about our thoughts are going way into the future and right now the future is is kind of a bit like we don't know what it looks like we don't know what's going to look like so that's yeah it makes a lot of sense so I'll say one thing is to kind of think about what are the things that you do know you know if there's anything in the future that you can you can put in and does feel solid and that you can look forward to can be a really nice way of diverting yourself away from the things that you don't yet know um another thing is to like to kind of build up your toolkit so you've got the meditation and you've got journaling but thinking about what else can I add to those things I'm not going to want to journal at every time that I feel anxiety I'm going to need more things so that you have a versatile kit so it might be going into nature. For me, nature is like my big number one um, because no matter what's going on in the world, nature is always the same. We know what season it is going to be. We know what flowers are going to be out there. We know what the trees are, trees are going to look like. So anxiety, um, nature is the one thing that's always consistent or most of the time always consistent, no matter what the social world is doing. Um, and then like... I think it's important to look at things that might be adding to the anxiety. So, you know, is social media helping or is it a bit of a hindrance? And are all the social things that you're doing helpful or are they a bit of a hindrance? And just thinking about, okay, what do I need to maybe cut down on a little bit whilst I look after myself in this moment? Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going to add that to the toolkit. Yeah. yeah. That's such a good reminder just about nature. And yeah. that, that's the one thing that doesn't, you know, it doesn't, change and just gives gives you that that sense of understanding yeah you mentioned I, I'm not sure what you said the docket or wellness doc what did you say it was like your kit oh did I say toolkit oh um it? you were talking about how oh you know journaling and meditation like um is that like a package or I don't know you said you said uh, something super cute I can't remember what I said, okay. but I guess I, I guess I think that everybody has their own particular toolkit. So for some yeah. people, they'll love to do journaling and some people cannot do journaling. Mm-hmm. It's just not for yeah. them. So it's really important to kind of find what's right for you. Um, and, you know, your toolbox can be completely full with a million things. That would be amazing. So that way you have so much choice. 
Um, so just it's really good to kind of build up on those things. And even if you feel like, okay, there's journaling and there's meditation, I don't know what else. You know, it's a nice time to kind of explore and do a bit of a Google and find out what's out there that you don't know about or asking friends, like, what do you do? Like, can I try it with you one day? Like, and kind of just build it up that way. Yeah. Yeah. Being curious with all the wellness techniques, that'd be great. Can definitely do that this summer. Even things that aren't considered wellness technique. It's like incorporating, like Tasha said, maybe just like the walk around the park. Maybe the park is the closest thing that you can get to nature. And then that becomes a part of like your 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 wellness uh, checklist. Yeah or, yeah, or even getting a plant, you know, yeah. <laughs> with that for some reason that for some people that might raise anxiety, but you know, <laughs> getting a plant might be a way of like, you know, I know what this plant looks like tomorrow, and I can see its growth. Like there's something quite containing about that, you know, seeing the, the plant grow with you in a way. Yes, yeah, so I love that. Tasha, do you have any daily mantras or some or what are some words or sayings that you find yourself thinking at this moment in time? So I don't necessarily have like mantras, but I I kind of turn more to music. Mm. Um, I feel like music, like a song, a song is like a million mant- mantras in a song anyway. Yeah. So yeah. I tend to draw to music. Sometimes it might be gospel music. It might be neo soul. It might be something more kind of. It's, it tends to be kind of quite like slow paced vibes, but like very kind of affirmative affirming and beautiful lyrics like I tend to do yeah I went through your reels Mm -hmm. I went through your reels and I saved like all the reels audio so she used I'm like (laughs) Tasha has bomb tasted music I'm like hell yeah oh thank you we totally go to a concert together (laughs) I love that that's that's a sticky that I'm gonna keep good taste of music I like that yeah yeah I love that that's a sticky what what did you do what music did your parents or your family listen to growing up that kind of I feel like maybe influence your music taste now so it's interesting because I have um I have siblings who are much older than me so they're um like 20 to 30 years old no 20 years older than me um so they grew up in the 70s and I grew up in the 90s so a lot of their music I love. So it's things like um, Lovers Rock and Soul and Teddy Pendergrass. Like I love, I'm a bit of an old soul in, in any way. So yeah, I love that kind of music. And I love any music that repurposes that music as well. So um, yeah, that's kind of where my heart is. So cool. <laughs> Super badass. Um all right, I think we ra- we got some amazing like tips from you, Tasha. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, is there anything like what is like last thing I want to ask you is like what do you your 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 content is great. Um, I love all the ma- amazing messages you put out through your social media and and through your you know your your work. It, like, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Like, and then like through your content and through your community. Ooh, um, I guess that talking about mental health. Yes, it's difficult, but it doesn't have to be hard. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be challenging, but it can be done. Like, it's accessible. And that we can kind of help ourselves and each other to have those conversations. Um, and for me as well, like, that therapy, you know, is for everybody. And even if uh, therapy is not accessible, whether it's, like, financially or location-wise, that there are other things out there that can support your journey regardless, you know, having a community. I think a lot of the time we are people who like tend to be a bit solo. Like we 
we have the world on our shoulders and we're like, no, I'm going to get through this by myself. But actually our brains are made to be part of a community. Um, so for me, like that's what I want, you know, people to, I guess, learn from me um, and learn from themselves, you know, that, that, that you can take care of yourself and you know, your community can help with that as well. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks, Tasha. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I had one last little question for Tasha too. So you're a therapist, but I also saw that you do art as well, and you're the content creator at Real Talk Therapist um, at, on Instagram. Are you creating all those super cute graphics, or who is doing that for you? <laughs> it's it's me. Amazing. It's, it's, yeah, it's actually me. I love it. Um, yeah, they're so cute. Is that like an outlet for you, just on your creativity? Yeah, I think so. I think. Most of the time, it can be a bit frustrating at times, but I am a creative person. Like I, it's, it's kind of what led me to be a therapist. I, I love the use of art and music in helping us work stuff out. So, yeah, for me, it's kind of like I'm, yeah, I'm kind of being creative and it's a bit of fun for me at the same time as putting some information out as well. So awesome. Well, yes, definitely everyone check out. Can you tell us your Instagram handle? We're also going to include it in the description, but just shout it out really quick so everyone can go follow you and get all the amazing tips that Tasha is going to be offering you and adding value to your life. Right. So you can follow me on realtalk.therapist on Instagram. And I'm also co-hosting on the Because Life podcast. Yes. Very cool. And yes, is, is that an, a, week, a weekly or bi-weekly or how often are there episodes of that podcast? So it's every Wednesday and I take it in terms of other therapists to be on. So I'll be on kind of probably like once a month. Um, but yeah, it's a cool mental health speaking truthfully uh, conversation. Super cool. I really hope you put a playlist together or I'm going to ask you for your playlists after Ooh. this podcast. Okay, girl. <laughs> okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> Oh, well, so nice to talk to you, Tasha. You guys, please go ahead and stalk her on Instagram. And thank you so much for listening to the Conscious Kitchen podcast. If you know anybody that will resonate with this podcast right now, go ahead and feel free to share it. Share it with them right this moment. Yes. Um, follow us. And we hope you guys have a great summer. And um, thank you so much for listening to the Conscious Kitchen podcast. We love you guys. Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye.